Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The scriptures for this weekend give us a beautiful picture of what faith looks like. Both Isaiah in the first reading and Jesus Christ in the gospel, they tell us that our faith, our relationship with God, looks like something. It looks like a marriage between us and God. Isaiah and Jesus teach us that God wants our faith. He wants our relationship with him to best mirror a relationship between a husband and a wife. That's why Isaiah, in the first reading, uses the language of marriage to discuss our relationship with God. Now, we as Catholics, we believe that in the sacrament of marriage is an act of mutual self-giving, whereby the man and the woman give each other to the other, out of love for each other. And in doing so, they share life, but they also share love for each other. And that's the level of intimacy. That's the level of faith and relationship that God wants from us. And this is what Isaiah is getting at in the first reading when he says, As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Now, the builder that he's referring to is God himself. He is the builder or the creator of this entire universe. And he wants to marry us in such a way of a self-giving. God wants to give himself to us, and we, in turn, are motivated to give ourselves over to God. That's the type of relationship that God wants from us. But notice also it says, The bridegroom rejoices in his bride. Well, the bridegroom is God, and he rejoices in us always because we are espoused to God. Now notice that sequence. The builder shall marry you, as well as God shall rejoice in you. In each case, God is the active role. We are the passive recipients of God's love. Our faith, our relationship with God is one in which God desires us. He actively pursues us rather than the other way around. And so Isaiah uses this imagery of marriage to best describe our faith and the level of relationship that God wants from us. Now, Isaiah now gives us the perfect segue into the gospel. The gospel is that classic story of the wedding feast of Cana. Remember, it's written by John. And we all know John always writes in a very rich literary tone that is full of symbolism. Therefore, we have to tend to it very carefully. Now, we know that in this wedding feast of Cana, Jesus is going to perform his very first miracle in his public ministry. Now, it's very intentional. I've said many times before, everything that Jesus does or says is always very intentional. 
Jesus specifically used this wedding to perform his very first miracle and to manifest his glory. Why? Because we see up and down sacred scripture, whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, we hear of God throwing these feasts or these banquets that is filled with rich food and choice wines. Why? Because God wants to give us life and life in abundance. More to it, this wedding feast of Cana is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that we heard in the first reading. God wants to espouse us as his people. How often do we hear Jesus in the Gospels referring to himself as the bridegroom? We, the church, are the bride. Take it to a deeper level. Jesus himself, as a person, epitomizes that marriage between humanity and divinity. It's the union of his divine nature and his human nature. And the result of that union is a source of joy for us all. Now, go to the story. How does it begin? It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana. Now, that's odd for John to include that, the third day. So you say to yourself, well, who cares what day is it on? Well, realize, on the third day, Jesus is going to manifest his glory in this wedding. But where else do we see, on the third day, Jesus manifesting his glory? The story of the resurrection. Here, John is trying to tie together those two stories and teach us Jesus truly is the Son of God. And in both these stories, he's going to reflect and manifest his glory as God. Now, we find out that the wine is running out. Now, it's important for us to understand weddings in the ancient world were not like our weddings today. Today, our wedding reception consists of a dinner and then maybe a reception afterwards. The whole celebration is a matter of hours, but not so in the ancient world. During the time of Jesus Christ, wedding feasts, wedding celebrations lasted two to three days. And so, if you were a host of a wedding, you had to make sure that you had enough food, enough things to drink, to last two to three days for all your guests. If you ran out of anything, it was embarrassing for you as a host, but it was also a great deal of dishonor to the bride as well as the groom. Now, it's interesting. Who notices that the wine is running out? It's not the wine steward. That's his job. It's not the head waiter. That's his job. But Mary, she's the only one that notices that the wine is running out. So it may suggest that Mary is a relative to the bridal party, and she is supervising, you could say. St. John Chrysostom, when reflecting upon this gospel, says, Just as Mary intervened at Cana on behalf of the needs of all the others in the wedding, so she continues to make heavenly intercessions for us here on earth. Well, I think that's very beautiful and true. Now, Mary... She goes to Jesus and says, they are running out of wine. Now, who is that they? Spiritually speaking, it's us. It's the whole human race. What Mary is really saying is the human race is running out of everything that makes us united to God. The human race is running out of everything that preserved its union, its marriage between God and us. Mary now stands for all the prophets of the Old Testament who in the past told God the very same thing. 
The people of this world are running out of life that once enjoyed, united to God. And so Mary stands or represents all the prophets of the Old Testament. And she tells her son, but she tells God, Jesus Christ, the human condition. Next, Mary tells the servers, do whatever he tells you. Now, in those five words are at the very heart, the core of the spiritual life. Do whatever he tells you. Imagine the Blessed Virgin Mary before you, telling you the same thing. Do whatever he tells you. That should be part of our daily prayer. Before we even begin the day, imagine the Blessed Virgin Mary telling you just that. Do whatever he tells you. And when you do that, you grow in holiness and love of God. Now, Jesus orders the six jars to be filled with water. Now, water here we know is good. It's ordinary. There's no flavor to it. There's no spirit. It doesn't intoxicate us. Symbolically speaking, the water stands for all the things that we can achieve apart from God. Art, science, music, whatever it is, they're all good in of themselves, but ultimately, they're not the source of joy or purpose and meaning in life. More to it, those jars filled with water represent our secular culture that is disconnected from God, such that whatever we do or whatever we accomplish in this world apart from God won't satisfy us. We keep wanting more and more of it, whether it's fame, fortune, money, materialism. Now next, it says, they brought the jars to Jesus. That's good. We should do exactly this. We should always bring ourselves to God each and every day of our life. Bring to God your heart, your mind, your soul, your will, your intellect, your time, your prayer, your worship. Bring all those things to God every day and God will transform them into something special such that our life will have purpose and meaning in life. So Jesus changes the water into wine. Now what does wine do? It lifts us up, right? It elevates our spirit and intoxicates us. But the wine that Jesus creates is no ordinary wine. The steward tells us that. It's the best and the choicest of all wines. Herein lies a basic biblical truth. Your life will be enriched. Your life will be intoxicated by the very measure in which you unite or marry your life to Christ. As long as we are united or married to Jesus Christ, the divine operative spirit will always be within us and won't run out of us. We will never run out of the presence of God in our life. One last thing to think about. As Jesus turns the water into wine, the party continues. It doesn't end. What's the implication here? When we bring to Christ everything that we have, and this is good stewardship, we bring to Christ our skills and our abilities, our treasure, our prayers, our own self, our being. Jesus marries himself to us. And now our lives have purpose and meaning. Now our lives are intoxicated and God's presence will never run out of our life. And the union, the marriage between us and God will not end. It will continue on day after day after day for all of eternity. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.